This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is sponsored by The Neat Diva. Meet their premium kitchen collection with features of multiple solutions for neatly organizing your food storage bags and kitchen wraps in that messy drawer. No more messy kitchen drawers, unorganized loose plastic bags, or ugly crushed cardboard boxes. Make sure to order today and check out their Instagram at neat.diva. They sent over my custom drawer organizer, and let me tell you, I never realized how much I needed this in my drawers, especially on the go with family life and travel, and especially with summer coming up. I always seem to open the drawer, grab and go, which never fails. I always get more than that one bag that I need. I'm cramming everything back in a box. The drawer won't fit. Yes, we've all been there. So don't do it anymore. Don't force the fit. Follow their Instagram and go on their website. They have everything that you need right on Amazon to order. You can organize with attitude. They are designed and tested here in the United States, and they have easy-to-read color labels, easy-to-refill, and they have a magnetic lift-off lid. Makes it super easy, and you can swap out in just seconds. And no exposed material hinges or latches that will scratch your drawers. All slider bags fit, and they have oversized court bag storage slots, even for on-the-go, especially for that family life. Again, order today at neat.diva with their Instagram, and check out their Amazon page at amazon.com slash and order today. Welcome to Little Bit of Life podcast. I'm your host, Tabitha, better known as Little on social media. A lot of you may know me from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats on topics of what we seem to think but don't say. Special guests will join in that have impacted me along the way. Very little is left off limits. Enjoy on your favorite streaming platform, watch live videos of interviews on YouTube, and let's dive into some topics together. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life Podcast here with your host, Little. I am so excited for today's episode. I have the writer, the podcast host, the mother, the wife, the do-it-all, Lindsay Mastis. She is the host with over 2 million downloads on her podcast, Living Easy. She provides marriage courses, she has a blog, and she provides those guiding ways for all of us that we all need when it comes to marriage and intimacy. She has now reached over 100,000 followers on her Instagram. So proud and so happy for you. And I'm so excited and I feel so honored to have her on to share a little bit of her life because she is so open and honest on her social media, but also tell us about communication and giving ourselves a little bit of grace in the day and age where we were probably not provided all of the tools that we needed, and that's where she steps in. From raising boys, writing books, creating a lifestyle, keeping friendships, running a business, and keeping her beliefs and intimacy with her marriage and her partner. Let's dive in together with Lindsay Mastis. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life podcast with your host, Little. I am here with the one and the only Miss Lindsay. We all have seen her amazing, amazing content on her social media, but what makes her different is she is just that all natural, raw, right in your face, showing you how to have that, what we think is our perfect marriage and our perfect form of communication. And she is just so open and vulnerable with all of us, especially on social media when we're scrolling, bored at night, and we feel like we are just losing touch with our actual reality. Lindsay, how are you doing? It's so I'm so happy to have you on with us today. Thank you for her. I am I'm a little emotional today, and that was just really kind. So oh. <laughs> that made me tear up. I was just really sweet. I needed some encouragement this morning. So thank you for that. Oh. Um, no, yeah, I I'm so excited to be here. Tabitha, thank you for having me on. And I love that this is something that you promote mm-hmm. is just the honesty because I fully agree that in our world now we we show pieces of honesty, but we always wrap it up with a pretty bow. And so I have learned that that isn't always helpful or freeing to people, to women. And that is kind of my heart behind living easy with Lindsay and my courses and all that. So so thank you for having me. Yes. I I have always been kind of in that role model, especially looking at my grandparents. They were married for over 63 years and Mm. their generation was so different. It was one where you don't talk about your troubles. You don't talk about all of the hardship within your four walls. It's look picture perfect and look exceptional, especially on the outside. Don't ever allow the weakness of what's happening, you know, especially in your home, with your family, with your children, or even with yourself. We talk a lot about mental health on, you know, my podcast. Mm -hmm. 
And I was kind of raised that way. I think it's a generational thing that it's being passed down. I think our generation is now changing that stigma of it's okay to talk about things that may be frustrating you or you're struggling within your marriage or your relationships. So what is your kind of take on having our generations kind of shift, but having social media be that like that big focal point of you have all eyes watching you. Like you said, we're putting on a pretty bow most of the Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, it's such an interesting dynamic, I think, especially for people who don't have a lot of connections in their real lives. Mm -hmm. So when we moved, we moved to Nashville about two years ago and it has been the coolest thing. We're about 30 minutes outside, but we're in a very like suburban, Mm -hmm. almost like utopian type of experience, which I never would have appreciated had I not lived in something very different than this. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed is the privacy is not really a thing because when you go outside in your pajamas and your hair in a towel or whatever to get the mail or whatever it is, there's 10 neighbors outside who are waving hello. And it's been very humbling for me because it is easy to present your best self and your best picture and all of that on social. Um, And they have probably heard me raise my voice at my children multiple times when I open the windows thinking like, oh, I can be the mom who opens her windows. And then (laughs) I'm like, stop yelling at each other. Um, So it's been very different. But what I think is good and beneficial with that is that it's real and it's honest. And I also see those people doing the same things. I see them in their worst, at their worst. I see them at their best. I see them with their families. I see them frustrated on their driveway. Um, and so it's helped me to have a, a more realistic grasp of life and like competition and what people are actually doing versus that on social. Um, and I think that it's actually in a weird way drawn me away from Instagram and stuff a little bit because Mm. I'm finding that I'm really leaning into what it means to have true neighbor to neighbor, love your neighbor type of community. I don't know if that answers your question. That was kind of all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, I think it's so hard with our era and our, like, I always go back to generational stuff. Like our parents and our grandparents didn't have to worry about the outside world looking at their photos and judging their marriage and judging their relationships and judging their parenting. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're down to even, it's always keeping up with the Joneses. That's what they had to go with. And now I feel like we have that mixture of, we have to keep up, but it's almost like we're now not keeping up with the Joneses. We're keeping up with ourselves and our Mm -hmm. expectations versus what reality really is. So what is your take on that with reality of what we really think is perfect and perfection? Do you kind of feel that you've had a struggle with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, yes, (laughs) a thousand (laughs) times. Yes. I'm like, how do I even unwrap that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of my nature. I am, I'm not huge into the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram three, which is the achiever. And I always say I'm like a three wing three. I am Mm -hmm. achiever at heart. I am a chameleon sometimes like, and this has been something God has been working on me in my heart is the tendency to shift my personality, my likes, my dislikes around people in order to fit them best. And my counselor actually asked me, like, Lindsay, do you think that you've worked so hard to make people feel comfortable around you? Because that's like my biggest thing, that you've completely lost sight of who you actually are. Like, what do you even actually like? What do you – and all of that is a front. And so that's been some deconstruction that I've been working through in my own life and trying to figure out – What does it look like to actually show my raw self? What does it look like to not feel like I have to have it all together? And going back to your original point, my mom um, actually recently went through a really brutal divorce and she was married for 18 years to this godly man who we all saw the good every time we went to their home. We always sensed a little tension, but just thought, okay, that's who they are. Turns out that they've been unhappy since the first day of their honeymoon. And my mom was taught, you don't take things outside the four walls of your home. You don't discuss them. Though they were in community groups, though they were in Bible studies, though they were in all kinds of things and had every opportunity to speak on the struggles that they were facing, they didn't. 
And so they went through 18 years, my mom thinking, you know, I've committed to this man who turned out to not be such a good man, committed to this man who I'm fighting through. And we find out, I mean, weeks before everything went to pieces that they have are not perfectly happy and in love. Very bizarre from a daughter's perspective to Mm -hmm. see that. And it was an eye-opener to me that I've always been very vocal. Like if you listen to Living Easy with Lindsay podcast, I am – I air all my dirty laundry, but also share the gospel and like how God has intervened in my life and in my husband's lives and how we work through those things. And it's interesting because my mom listens to every single episode that I record and sees the fruit of that, sees the freedom, sees the emails from other people because she's my biggest fan. She's so Mm -hmm. cute. Um, (laughs) But didn't take that into her own life to have the freedom to speak truth. And I saw what it did. Like it's disastrous essentially. And a lot of people think that if they go to counseling, it's because they're absolutely falling apart. But I always think of like a life raft or a fire. If you see the smallest flame, you're going to try to extinguish that flame. You're not going to let your whole house burn up. Similarly with your marriage or your relationships, you don't wait until you're in shambles before you ask for help. You don't throw out a life raft once somebody has already drowned. You do the steps immediately. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what the older generation doesn't do. And I even see it in some of our generation where it's very like, we're cautious with what we say. Um, and so I have worked really hard, even in my personal relationships, to be like, here's it, all of it. I have nothing to hide. Um, here's where I'm at in my marriage. Here's where I'm at in my parenthood. And here's what God is doing. But – and I op- I try to open the door for other people in my life to feel the freedom to do the same thing. I feel like therapy is almost taboo, especially Mm -hmm. it's almost like you said of, you know, you're broken or, you know, whatever you're going into therapy for is, is it's broken. It's on the verge of disaster. This is almost your last straw. And I love that you're providing that piece of advice to listeners is it's a life raft. It's something that is starting small and before it gets bigger and almost out of your control. Mm -hmm. I think it's also that scary part of when we go to therapy, we go to counseling, whether it's for ourselves or with a partner or a family member, it's having to do the deep inner work of understanding that you don't have control over a situation in your life. And that's the hardest thing to admit to Mm -hmm. and admit that I'm not perfect and it's okay to not be perfect. But I see so many of those, you know, within my community and my friendship groups that they're struggling. It's, you know, I committed to this marriage and I'm stuck or I have had this career. And it's not only about marriages or relationships. It's Mm -hmm. almost like I have a career and I'm stuck. And life is so short to to feel that you're stuck. But you, like you said, you have to make that next move and kind of just dive in. It's almost that fear of failure. But I always say, if you're fearing that sense of failure, you should be fearing of how progressive you can be in helping yourself and creating this new life that you may come out on the other side unstuck, but still in that same career or relationship or marriage, just mm-hmm. more happy and more mm-hmm. content. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I I've seen that in relationships as well where people like you said the fear of being known because we're really good at hiding, we're really good at keeping to ourselves and um when you go into an environment with a counselor, there's moments where <laughs> my counselor will be like, "How do you feel about that?" I'm like, "Fine." And she's like, you made a face. Like you did not (laughs) like what I just said. And I'm like, well, yeah, no, it didn't feel good at all, but you're right. And that's kind of what I think God has really instilled in me and in my life is self-evaluation will change everything. And I think you nailed it, that when you have that fear of, okay, if I don't handle this because I'm stuck, when it gets 10 times worse, then what does it look like? Like, mm-hmm. why do we prolong the pain, prolong the hurt? And I have a couple in my life who they recently went to marriage counseling the first time after some very, very deep hurt within their marriage. And they're blown away by these very basic, simple tasks and um, kind of like communication tips that they've received. And My thought is always like, oh my gosh, but you could have had that five years ago if you weren't Mm -hmm. stubborn. And I know it's not easy for everyone. And I also know it's a privilege to have the money to pay for it because it can be really expensive. 
Mm-hmm. But there are a lot actually of, you know, churches that will work with you or there's even a website um, called Faithful Counseling where I think they go based off your income. So these are all things I understand. It's I only go once a month, um, but I know that it's it's very beneficial to have that. But there are also some counselors within churches and within communities who are willing to do it for free or based off of income as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that I just want to give people freedom to say you are a mess and that's okay. Yeah. Like you're a mess because you're you're in a world that is broken. You are navigating maybe marriage or parenthood or relationships, friendships that you were never given the tools or the guidebook to help you do those things perfectly. As I go through marriage, as I go through motherhood every single day, I'm like, what the heck do I do? Like, how am I supposed to know how to do this? Nobody taught me how to do this. So I'm so thankful for the resources that we've been given on the internet and podcasts like yours in order to give us the tools to navigate these difficulties. Because I do, like I feel for my grandparents and my mom and those generations because they didn't have access to this kind of information that can really bless and benefit people. But it's okay to be a creep. Like I always say that word, like it's okay to be a creep. You are a creep. And I do that when people come and they're like, I felt like you were really short with me. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're probably so right. Like I, I'm struggling, but that's not an excuse and I shouldn't have been short with you. And in my head, I'm like, I was kind of agitated at something you said, but that doesn't give me a right to be unkind or whatever it might be. And so like I acknowledge in my brain, I am a mess. I'm not going to do this perfectly. So I try not to get defensive because there's no reason to when I acknowledge that I am totally imperfect and broken and just a work in progress that God has been just shifting and changing and molding me. Um, but I don't have it all together. And it gives me the freedom to say, you're totally right. I probably was that way and I'm sorry. And now we can move mm-hmm. on instead of it becoming something so much bigger because I'm defending my pride or my ego that really I shouldn't have one because I suck, (laughs) you know, and not, not to be self-deprecating because that's not it. Like I'm very thankful for my life. I'm very grateful. I, I have so much, I'm very aware that I've grown a lot because of the hard work I've put in, but I think it just helps to have that. I wouldn't even call it humility because it's not that it's just this, the self-awareness. And when women and men are willing to do that self-examination, it helps so much for them to just sit and, and not feel that constant guilt and shame that we live in so often. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's taking accountability of your actions and understanding that it's acceptable that you acted out, but it's also then finding out how you're going to act moving forward. Good. You do a lot of different videos, especially on your social media, and I love it because you're really doing self-awareness within your relationship. And it's focusing on that one thing that I swear we all could be better at, even <laughs> with ourselves, communication. It's that word that when you hear it, you're like... The automatic wall and boundary goes up. I'm a good communicator. It's always the other person. It's always the other person's fault, the other person's problem. Mm -hmm. And you have an episode and a a video that I absolutely love. And I posted this morning on social media. And it's the five things to say to your husband or wife. And it also affects relationships too, to drastically change. And it's interesting because definitely go check it out. These are the five things that you wouldn't think. But it's interesting because I think that these are the simple things that we're missing out on in the day-to-day because of distractions, because of you know careers, because of parenting, because of all of the things that stress us out that we're missing the simple things that we can even say to our partner, which mm-hmm. in return are probably the things that we want to hear in return. So how has this been with your marriage, your relationship with your husband in finding that communication and self-awareness? Yeah. So those five things are essentially praising the good. And I say this a lot in any relationship, whether it's family relationship, friendship, marriage with your children, that we are so quick to criticize and we are so quick to see the bad. That's just how we are. It's our nature because we want things the way we want things. And maybe if we wouldn't have done it a certain way, then we want to criticize or fix it or help, right? Like we always think we're helping. Mm -hmm. And It's not bad to give insight. It's not bad to have a partnership. Jesse and I have a partnership where we are willing to go to one another in a moment and time when we know it's acceptable 
like we're not stressed out and frantic and I'm like, you should have done this better. But we sit down on Sundays and we call it like our family meeting. And it's he and I where we discuss a few ways that we each like didn't feel loved that week, a few ways we did feel loved that week, financial stuff, um, kind of what we need from one another with support that month. And we just talk through life. And in those moments, I can say, hey, in this situation, I felt like it wasn't handled well. I feel like this is why and this is how it made me feel. And in the future, if it was done this way, it would help me. What do you think of that? It's not accusatory. Um, but it has really helped us to get the nitty gritty out because you do, you do not want to stuff that down. It's going to make things worse. You cannot be Mm -hmm. a stuffer and see progress. It's just not reality. So we communicate those things, but I have learned in so many ways that positive affirmation changes everything that when I see, this is just an example Um, when I, my husband is like the biggest servant ever. And I always say he's like a better stay at home dad than I am stay at home mom. He just like kills it in that area. (laughs) So this is a bad example. But if I'm like, Hey, I wish you would have loaded the dishwasher differently. Um, twist that. If I say, why do you always load the dishwasher this way? I've shown you so many times how to load the dishwasher. It's not that hard. What does that do to a person? It causes them to want to completely shut down to step away, to never do it again because they're never going to please you. And we do this with parenting where we're like, stop talking to my child that way or stop handling it this way. You're handling it wrong. It makes – and I speak so much to wives because I'm a wife. Um, Mm -hmm. This can happen with both people, both Mm -hmm. husband and wife. But when we do that to our husbands, they immediately disengage. It's not justification for them to disengage. They are a man and and should step up and be – a partner in the home and give a hundred percent of themselves just as the wife should. But when we are constantly criticizing, almost mothering them, there is a tendency for them to disengage and step away. And think about it from our perspective. If we are making dinner and our husband is always saying, I think this is not good. Like, can you please never make this again? Or your children say that. My kids say that to me all the time. Mom, this is so gross. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What does it make me want to do? Never cook again. Yeah. The flip side is when I see my husband loading the dishwasher and I want to fix it so bad. And I say, thank you so much for going above and beyond. Even though it's a basic common task he should be doing anyways, I am encouraging the fact that I see him, that I'm valuing him. And I say, thank you so much for doing that. Do I go back and fix it? Maybe a few times. Do I show him that I'm doing that? No, not necessarily, but I I praise it. So when we see the good, and this can be anything, when they're working hard and you're like, oh my gosh, they could have done this extra thing. But instead saying, thank you so much for doing that thing. It took a huge burden off of my shoulders. Or thank you so much for giving me that hug when you walked in the door today. Like even if I was wanting a kiss or if I was wanting him to pick up the kids instead, like thank you for what you did do. And this is not, I want to be very clear, this is not to give praise to basic common decency. This is not just like, because I hear, I can already hear the voices on TikTok on my posts (laughs) of like, I'm not going to praise him for doing the bare minimum. Sure, but he is your husband and you are his wife and you like to be praised for doing the bare minimum. You like to be praised even because it's not the bare minimum. Life is hard and life is busy Mm -hmm. and chaotic And so when we're appreciated, valued, and seen, it makes the world of difference. And you will see when you speak that good and when you praise the things that are done even kind of half-heartedly, you're going to see them do it more. But when you criticize, you're going to see them step away. So speak the good. Call them up to that good. You are such a good father. You are such a good man. You are so honorable. I respect that you've done this, this, and this. Thank you for this, this, and this that you add to my home. When you speak those, and it can be a sentence, you guys, and it may, you might have to choke it out for a while, but (laughs) when you do it, you're going to see them like, oh, okay, they're going to straighten their posture a little bit and feel encouraged and valued because you have the opportunity to either spit poison into your marriage every single day or breathe life. And you can spit poison by omission, by not speaking out anything good and just living with criticism. So that has been honestly probably the most pivotal part of communication in my relationship that has bonded our friendship in a way that like he is just my 
absolute best friend in the whole world. Like he's the one I love doing everything with. And I attribute so much of that to our communication. I heard when you were speaking, I hear, like you said, all of those voices that I know are going to come out of the woodwork. And they're just yeah. like, well, why would I say that to him? And it's it's this childish mentality that I, I get stuck into of mm-hmm. he doesn't say it to me, so why am I going to go above and beyond to say it to him? It's never, it's never going to fix anything. Mm-hmm. My life is the way that it is. He is stuck in his ways. I'm stuck in my ways. Well, if you're not approaching each other with an open mind and you're being stubborn, Nothing's going to change. Mm -hmm. So try it. For those that are listening of, like she said, you know, why do I have to praise him for just doing day-to-day life? He doesn't even notice the little things that I do. They may notice it, but they don't even voice their opinion because they feel that if I voice something, because I know with me and my partner, we've talked about that. And it's like, you know, I would love to praise you and I would love to bring up these, you know, topics of conversation. But every time I do, you accept it, but you don't hear it and take it in. And then yes. you just go to the next negative thing. You just yes. go to the next thing of this was great, but there's always a but. And I love mm-hmm. that you have this sense of communication of just focus on the moment of what you're happy with. Life is really hard. Relationships are hard. Parenting is hard. I have a stepdaughter that I mean, it kind of made me proud in that moment because I'm like, oh, yes. Because, I mean, it was a simple conversation of, oh, okay, what do you want for dinner tonight? Well, are you cooking or is dad cooking? I took that as, okay, dad's cooking. This is my green light. I don't have to Mm -hmm. cook tonight. And I was super excited. So I looked at that as a negative way of like, I can back out. He can cook. They can do it together. And it was so sweet because she said, when dad cooks, his food doesn't taste good. But when you (laughs) cook, it tastes good. And I had that proud moment. But then I remember looking at him and I could tell that that was his moment of like, I'm not good. Like Mm -hmm. my daughter sees something that I'm not doing well. But that's when I said, you know, dad doesn't cook very well on certain things, but man, he can do the dishes well. Mm -hmm. And did you see what he built or did you see, you know, what he helped you with in your room? So it's taking the negative and pulling that out because we're always going to have a sense of negativity somewhere. But finding that focus of positivity that you can really dive into. Mm -hmm. And it's such a dramatic and drastic change. Mm -hmm. It also not only helped my partnership in kind of doing this, but it helped me. It helped me feel better because like you said, I stuffed so much in and it was something where even if he like little things, it would trigger of if he didn't put the volume on the right number, I have OCD. (laughs) So it's like, no, it has to be even, not odd. I mean, little things that I'm like, at the end of the day, if today was my last day, would I have Mm. cherished myself and my partner and our family unit and our pets and my friendships and my families? Mm. So I'm really starting to refocus my mindset which for listeners, this is so hard. I'm the most stubborn individual ever. It's so hard. Yeah. Well, and it takes a lot of time. So I like that you say that because Jesse and I have been working at this for 11 years. I'm technically 14. We've been together, married for 11. And it is, I would say, probably something we're finally getting to. Like it's, you take these baby steps and sometimes it's a roller coaster where you do it so much at the beginning of your marriage. And then you have a few years where it's like, you are bitter at each other. So there's a few things I wanted to touch on. One, you mentioned um, thinking about at the end of your life or if this was your last day. And I love that mentality. A lot of people think it's morbid when I talk about it, but I agree full heartedly. I think that wholeheartedly. I think that when you begin with the end every day, it can change everything. So when I wake up in the morning, I think to myself and I pray, how do I want to feel at the end of today? I can very well sit in my bed like a lump on a log and be so content. I love my bed. I love being horizontal. I can just rot away in my bed all day. (laughs) I'm so happy. (laughs) But at the end of my day, am I going to feel happy about that? Sometimes. I mean, sometimes you need rest. Most of the time, I want to contribute to my home. I want to contribute to my work. I want to contribute to my family. So at the end of the day, how will I feel? Equally, at the end of my life, how will I feel about today? If I could look back and it's the only day I can remember because we don't know what days we're going to remember, mm-hmm. will I remember being present? Will I remember putting my phone down and looking into my children's eyes and my husband's eyes more than I look into the lives of people I've never met? Will I invest and be present and love my neighbors and not just close my garage door as fast as I can? How did I live? And every day I think about that as I walk through my home, as I walk outside, how will I feel at the end of my life if this is the only day I remember? And it has changed me. It really has. Like it's changed the way I communicate. It's changed the way that I love. It's changed the way that I view myself because we're so self-centered and selfish all the time. I very much so. 
And it just is a very tangible way to get outside of that. Um, equally, I think that – shoot, I forgot my other points. <laughs> well, that was my main one and maybe it will come back to me. But yes, to all that. I did an episode uh, with a mother. Her name is Sarah and it was amazing. It's airing really, really soon. I'm really excited. But mm-hmm. she was so used to talking to her children and then it turned into her relationships and her career relationships and everything around her and everyone of, oh, how was your day? Fine. Mm-hmm. Or what's wrong? I don't know. I mean, it's you're not continuing that conversation. And it's mm-hmm. interesting because I tried doing this with my stepdaughter and to kind of reach out and say, okay, like how was – and it's interesting because the questions are like, what made you feel loved today? What made you happy today? What did you do today to make someone else feel loved? Mm-hmm. And I started realizing like when we did it the first time, I kind of tried to judge my partner's interaction. And you could tell he was like, nope. But it's interesting because now she's asking him those questions Mm -hmm. and it really reflects on your day. And I love how you have that on Sunday with your husband of, you know, what did you have a feeling on? What made you happy? What made you sad? Because we really need to get in touch with our feelings because it may be something where, you know, with her question, I would say, what made you feel loved today? If she pauses on that, we have an issue. Mm -hmm. If my partner pauses on that, we have an issue. Mm -hmm. Same with myself. So it's something where we always say, you know, especially with me to her of, you know, your dad did this, or, you know, we spent family time or we went for a bike ride. It doesn't have to be something that's over the top, dramatic, extravagant. It's something where we're bringing in all of the outside distractions and focusing on what we have control on in our home, in our life. I love that you say talking about putting the phone down for people that you will never meet and mm-hmm. spending that time with who you are around. I think mm-hmm. that's such a distraction nowadays. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. First thing I do in the morning, open my phone, mm-hmm. check Instagram. I want, it's it's almost an addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's something where if you change that and get outside, it changes your entire mood for the day mm-hmm. drastically. Yeah. It is such a widespread addiction that we have a hard time seeing it as such. And and I agree. I'm the same way. I have to set timers on my phone because we work on our phones. Like that's a big part. I'm a social media manager. I manage accounts for influencers and businesses. So I'm always on. Um, mm-hmm. And then I have my own ministry and my own podcast and all those things. And so being with my children sometimes they don't understand. And usually they don't understand. My boys are five and seven, so they're young. And I have to explain mom is working. And so one thing that I've had to try and do, and I am not perfect at it, but it's a work in progress, is when I'm on my phone working, I need to be in my office. So I have like a designated space so that they know I'm not just ignoring them or avoiding them. Like I am doing something of value for our home. And I always communicate that to them. Like I do this so we can eat. I do this so we can have a roof over our head. I do this because it's a calling on my life to do these things. And so I um, think it's so important to communicate to that to them. But when we see an alcoholic, we can see that addiction because we're, we may not be in it, right? And you see the effects of it. When you see a drug addict, you can see that. When you see a sex addict, you can see that. But because phones are so addictive and you go to a restaurant, and like even with what I do, it makes me so sad. It makes me – it probably is one of the things that really affects me the most is when I go into a restaurant and I just see people like at a table and none of them are communicating with one another and they're on their phones. It is devastating to me. Also, guys, I'm so sorry if you're watching this video because I have really bad allergies. (laughs) So my eyes are so itchy. Our allergies are terrible. (laughs) Oh, it's so itchy. Um. But yeah, like it just devastates me. And it's very like it's an eye-opener to me because I'll find myself like checking something or taking a picture of my food and posting it. And I'm like, wait, that still took 10 minutes of my time, which is so unnecessary because again, I'm posting this to people who don't know me, really don't care. Like they care enough for three seconds, but then they're back to thinking about themselves. And here is my husband or my children or my mom like right in front of me. And I'm doing this instead. And so it's been really good for me. Like I have a rule that when I'm with people and I hope that my people notice this, it's not a communicated rule, but when I'm with anybody, my phone is away. It's not open face on the table because that immediately says like, there is something more important I'm waiting on. Even if there's not, like if my phone is up and it's on the table, like it's saying there's something a little bit better that could drag my attention. So my phone is always put away in my purse unless I'm like have an emergency or something, which then I just turn it on. And so I think it's very important. Like this, the distraction culture is real and we live in a world that is, it's so quick and fast that, um, 
this is something that's been so like pertinent to me lately is just being intentional with where I said it on my Instagram and I want to say it right, but like being where I'm, my feet are. So Mm -hmm. if my feet are with my children, my face and my eyes are with my children. And this means that like I put my feet in other places now. I go outside barefoot in the grass just to be like in creation and to be grounded and to be present outside and to not have my phone. If my feet are in the grass, I'm out there to look outside. And it seems like such a simple concept, but it's something that I think is really forgotten. And so I go on walks a lot now and I go and sit by the water because I didn't have water back home. And like I just enjoy these little things and I keep my phone at home or off. And so, yeah, it's just been like, I think it's it's a constant work for us because when we see everyone else doing it, we justify it to ourselves as like, oh, it's okay. But it's stealing so much of our lives and our time from yeah, ourselves reach, and other people. It's retraining our habits. Yeah. And I always say like, this is a habit. And so many pe- people think that a habit is something that is negative and it's, you know, we always come up with excuses. I mean, I do it of, oh, this is my job. So I do mm-hmm. for work. I have to, you know, continue to post and work on branding and work with influencers. And, you know, I do consulting for people that want to start podcasts and it's always like I'm on. And then I always look at the day and I mean, if anybody has an iPhone and you look at how many hours you have spent on your phone and you get that report, sickening. Uh, I sit and I'm like, sick. <laughs> wow. It, but you know, all of those 10 minutes here, five minutes here, 20 yeah. minutes here, it all adds up at the end of the day. And then I always sit there and think, man, how much did I miss out on today? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. Like I moved, I relocated here for my relationship and I'm in a new state. I have so much opportunity to see things, to go out, to adventure. And I'm like, I sit here on my phone and look at these amazing places to go to, but I'm not living. And Mm -hmm. that's where I always go back to, and I love how you said that. Everyone always says, oh, it's so morbid. It's really not. Mm -mm. If today was your last day, did you spend it exactly how you would want to? And Mm -hmm. I always try and refocus of today's my last day. Today's my last, I want to live in the moment and I want to stay focused. Mm -hmm. So working with that sense of staying focused and also bringing in that intimacy, because that's something you also talk about, especially Mm -hmm. on your podcast. Do you find that it's, hard to find that intimacy with all the distractions and everything going on and really focusing on that sense of communication as well with your partner? Great question. Yeah. Yes. Um, One thing that I have realized in my life and in the people around me, I'm always assessing people. That's kind of why I do what I do. I love to assess people. I ask questions about why they do the things they do, how they've gotten to a place where they are, um, what they regret the most in their life. Like I just want to learn. And one thing that I see as a consistent struggle in my life and in lives of others is that comfort is an idol. So they place it above everything else. It is their God, essentially. And my husband and I were just having this conversation yesterday. We were having lunch and I said, what are three idols in your life? Three things that you essentially worship with your heart, your time, your energy. And he said, "Um, I think comfort and security. And I was like, oh, that's mine too. Like number one. Because when we are comfortable, and it goes back to what you were saying, we're comfortable with being home. We're comfortable with being on our phones. It is not easy to pack up your kids and your spouse and like go on a big hike. It is not easy even to get out of the house and go to the creek or go to a park or like it takes energy. It takes intentionality. It takes time. Usually it takes a little bit of stress and like getting things together, getting water bottles, (laughs) all the things. But when you're there, you're so thankful that you're there. And so that's, again, the the thinking of the end at the beginning mm-hmm. is where will I end up at this point? And that's something I have planned for this summer and spring. I'm like, I'm not an outdoorsy girl. <laughs> I am. I love, again, my bed and my couch and watching TV and my front porch. That's comfortable to me. But comfort does not breed growth ever. It doesn't. Like, I mean, I think there are areas where – God can work in our hearts. But typically when we are challenging ourselves and we are forcing ourselves to get outside of our comfort zones, that is when we thrive. And I've seen it, you know, one day my um, grandma passed away and it was heart-wrenching to me. Again, I'm emotional today and my eyes are itchy, so (laughs) all over the place. Um, But my grandma passed away and I just had this moment of like, if I stay home, I'm going to sit in this and I'm going to like really, really struggle. And so I packed up my boys who at the time were four and six 
and I drove an hour to a waterfall I had never been at before. And I was like, I just need to be like, I need to be where my feet are. I need to be grounded. I need to be present and be in creation. And so we get there and it is like a mess. I didn't bring water shoes. There's slippery rocks everywhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my boys are so little. The water is freezing cold. We just wore normal. So anyway, totally uncomfortable. To this day though, they were so proud of themselves for like, I, it was just mom and I had like my hands full of things. I couldn't really help them. They're climbing up these slippery rocks. They have gashes in their legs. It was like, <laughs> so I would not do it again in that way. But they're so proud of themselves because they walked through adversity. I was proud of myself for getting us there, finding the path, like getting us into the water and experiencing so much beauty on a day that was so painful and hard. Would it have been 10 times easier to stay home? Absolutely. Would it have been easier to even turn around after we were trying to walk down those rocks? Yes, but we didn't and we followed through and I think my boys saw that. They saw mom pushed through it and was managing something very difficult in her life by being in creation and being with her family. Um, And it was just a very, very sweet moment for me to realize like, gosh, easy is not always good. Hard Mm -hmm. is not always bad. Hard does not mean bad. Hard often leads to growth and transformation. And so I'm so big on like get out of your house, get out of your house. Even if it's just for a walk, even if it's just outside, don't take your phone with you and just be so present. And that will breed the intimacy in your relationship. And now going to my marriage, it is not comfortable for me to pursue my husband with sex. It is not like I am, I am a very like sexual person. I enjoy intimacy But I do not like the vulnerability and the opportunity or like possibility for rejection. And though my husband loves intimacy, like there's moments when it's just not the right time and where he's been like, "Uh, I don't really feel like it. I'm like, dagger to my heart. (laughs) Okay. I, I got way out of my comfort zone. I finally tried it. And then you tell me no. Are you freaking kidding me? So that is hard. And but when I get out of my comfort zone 99% of the time and I pursue it or I put on a cute outfit or I have those hard conversations with him of like what I like and don't like. I have a whole course, the Sex and Intimacy Project that I created with Jesse. So we recorded videos. We did a workbook. And it's just – it's not just focused on physical intimacy because you can't do that. Your emotional intimacy leads to good physical intimacy. I always tell couples – if you're struggling in the bedroom, you're likely missing something emotionally that needs to be addressed because that leads to the comfort and the vulnerability and the willingness to be exposed and mm-hmm. be comfortable in a way that you won't be if you're not emotionally connected. And so getting out of your comfort zone to have those really hard conversations that we promote on the Sex and Intimacy Project will lead to greater growth, greater pleasure more orgasms. Like, sorry if that's TMI, but it's like, it's a beautiful gift in marriage. It's such a beautiful gift. And so when you get out of that and just like, okay, I'm going to say this, or I'm going to do this and I'm going to dress up, or I'm going to do this thing that's so uncomfortable to me, he is going to appreciate it. She's going to appreciate it when you take that extra step to show them that you do desire that in your own relationship. It all boils down to confidence in mm. yourself and it comes with intimacy and it comes with, you know, that emotional bond, but it's also the same as like you said, it's easier to just be stuck inside. And sometimes the easy is not so much easy, but yeah. the hard can get you so far ahead, especially with summer coming. We have a lot of parents that are listening that your children are home. You're going to have to be on all the time. You're yeah. going to have to have pulled in different directions. So I think it's very important, especially for listeners this summer, get out and do something different. It doesn't, like I said, doesn't have to be extravagant, expensive. It can just be a moment where you're just fully present. Mm -hmm. And it's also being fully present in your relationship, not only with your spouse, but with yourself. Because if you're not doing the hard work internally with yourself, you're expecting somebody else, especially you're passing it to your partner to fix you. 
when that's not their job. Mm. We're not here to fix each other. We really need to focus on fixing ourselves. And I always say there's nobody perfect. If you're listening and you're perfect, can you please hit my DM? Because yeah. I would love to do a counseling <laughs> session with you. I'd love to learn um, from you. <laughs> right? It's not, it's not something that, you know, we're always comparing our life. We're comparing what we see as perfection on social media and there, there's no such thing. And I think that's where we have to really focus and stop. And like you said, be grateful. Yeah. Put your feet in and really see what you have and be grateful for the little things. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I talk to my stepdaughter, she's soon to be six. And I always okay. tell her, you know, there's so many children that dream about the simple things that you take for granted yeah. and the things that we have, that people are dreaming and aspiring and working so hard. We have a roof over our head. There's mm-hmm. food in our refrigerator, clothes in our back, and we have somebody that loves us. So I always... I mean, I'm great at giving advice, but then when I sit there, I'm like, ouch, I'm not even taking the advice I'm giving to a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. And it's something where, like you said, I love that you put your feet in and you just need to be really grateful and present in the moment. So for anybody listening, are you really present in the moment in your life right now? Or are you taking those little moments for granted, but expect, you know, you're just expecting these magnitude of experiences to just fall into your lap? It yeah. doesn't happen that way. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And I, I think that that's a very common misconception is that growth just happens to you as you get older. Like we we spend so much time waiting for to get married, to have children, to get that house, to get that job. We we waste our lives waiting instead of being fully present in the moment. And I always ask myself, what am I waiting for? And what am I missing out on while I'm waiting for that thing? Because similarly, I have everything I could ever want in my life, in the sense that I'm provided for, I'm taken care of, I'm provided for through my business, but that I'm taken care of. I have a home and a life and a beautiful family. And my son is not healthy. He has severe asthma and it's something we've been navigating. And I find myself living in so much anxiety over that. Like I always say, I wish somebody could just pull a string and release like the pressure in my heart that comes every time I hear him like wheezing or coughing. And it's it's been so difficult for our family. And sometimes I'm like questioning God or I'm questioning like, what am I doing wrong and living in this place of fear and waiting for it to pass? And I have learned like, okay, we're doing everything we can to navigate this. We are putting our feet in, digging in to figure out what this is. But equally, what can I teach Sutton as he walks through this in order to encourage other people who may walk through it as well? Because that's the heart of what I do. Like I have, I've spoken very openly and I speak very candidly about it because I've talked about it so much, but I was raped when I was 14 by somebody who was much older, much stronger than me, who was aggressive and um, caused harm. And it turned into something that when I told the people that I loved that it had happened, it got thrown and brushed under the rug as we don't want to do this. We don't want to go to court and like have you rehash this. So we're going to just pretend it never happened. And that's something that has haunted me my whole life. Um, And, but what has shifted is that God for me has called me to talk about it and to speak openly. And in that, the comfort that others have, because I talk about the experience, because I feel like, okay, this is something that has happened, but it doesn't dictate who I am as a person. It doesn't dictate my sexual intimacy with my husband, though it has tendencies to try. I don't let it. And here's why, and here's how. Um, though shame seeps in, this is how I navigate it. Having those conversations helps other people. And similarly with my son, he feels like he's the only sick one in our family. He feels like God doesn't see him because he he's not healed. He feels like he's you know doing something wrong. And in that, I can have those conversations with him to say you are you can help others. That while we don't understand this, and we're doing everything that we can. There are other people who are struggling and he actually found somebody in his class in second grade who is struggling with this and he had a really good conversation and the things he said were like so enlightening to me and encouraging to his little friend who's walking the same path and that is that is so big because if we can see that opportunity to love other people 
through our pain and difficulty and to speak truth and words of encouragement to them, it gives our pain a purpose and it gives us the freedom to say like, okay, I don't want to rush through the waiting. I don't want to rush through my present. I don't want to be so futuristic that I miss what's right in front of me. I want to live in the now and be thankful for what I have instead of always looking over the fence at somebody else's yard and thinking, oh, if I only had that because guaranteed you had that thing, you would want something else. Always, Mm -hmm. always. We're never satisfied. That's always the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate you coming on today and speaking with us. I hope so many of you listeners took something out of this because I always feel that these episodes, they're never scripted. They're raw. We just kind of go with the flow. Mm -hmm. And it's something where I feel like even though we don't maybe discuss it all the time, we're all struggling with similar things. And especially as women, we're struggling all the time. And it's something where we're the backbone of our family. How Mm -hmm. dare us speak about the struggles we're having or, you know, the, the, any, any feelings that we have that are negative. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Make sure you check out her podcast. I'll put all the episode information in the bio and you're, you're doing such a good job, even on days that you feel, am I making a difference? Do people notice you are making such a difference? And I think you are such an incredibly strong and courageous woman. I went through something similar at the same age of 14. And to hear that you speak about it and you don't allow that to tear you down and doesn't allow that sense of intimacy with partners. It doesn't allow that sense of just that guilt to carry into your whole life. I think it's amazing that you speak for so many and you're doing a great job as a wife, as a mother, as a woman of God, you're just truly incredible. Thank you, Tabitha. You're so sweet. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so sorry that you went through something similar. I would love, we should just have another conversation one day, even just separately um, to navigate that because, or not navigate it, but just discuss it because I think that it's so powerful even for you to say that that is something that you walked through to give hope and encouragement to others because it may not be that situation, but there are so many things that we feel a sense of shame to discuss and speak out that don't need to carry any weight or any shame. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored and it was such a lovely conversation. You are an amazing um, podcast host. You do a really great job with your question. So I appreciate that. that. so much. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to tune into your next episodes and follow you along the way, especially with social media. You provide such a amazing, beautiful journey. And it's always the good, the bad and everything in between. So we're so grateful that you allow us to share that with you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review and follow today's episode on your favorite listening platform and share these stories to more that need to be in the know. Get in on the action with the podcast Facebook and follow the little adventures on Instagram at little cute one AZ. I'll catch you on the next episode.